Amen. Amen. Happy New Year. Good to see you out this morning. I wondered how many we were going to have. It's a good way to get started into the new year, being in God's house, being with God's people, worshiping Him, and diving into His Word. So we're going to start a new series, new year this morning, the Gospel of Mark. Mark's Gospel, chapter 1. And for the next 16 weeks or so, we're going to be going back and basically walking with Jesus through the Gospel of Mark. In fact, even John, the Apostle, writes in 1 John chapter 2, verse 7, for us as Christians to walk as Jesus walked. Well, in order for us to know how to walk as Jesus walked, I think it's important that we study and read the Gospels. And we enter into that time when Jesus walked on earth and we learn from the Master how to walk. The Gospel of Mark is obviously unique to the other three Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Luke, and John. In fact, many Christians even ask the question, why four Gospels? Isn't there only one life and ministry of Jesus? Yes, but God in His wisdom chose four different sort of perspectives, four different ways to look at the life of Christ, and each one of them has a particular focus, if you will, or emphasis. And obviously, you could have a hundred Gospels and still not be able to capture all of who Jesus was and what Jesus did. In fact, John even says, the world could be filled with books on Jesus, and yet it would not be enough to contain who Jesus is and what Jesus did while he was here on earth. But at least it gives us a little bit of a more rounded perspective on Jesus Christ. And one of the unique features of Mark, especially compared to Matthew and Luke, as you note, is that Mark dives right into the ministry of Jesus, except for, you know, John the Baptist here in a few verses. He does that because the purpose of John's gospel is to evoke from the reader a lasting response in word or deed to the true identity of Jesus Christ. That's what Mark's all about. So that's why to Mark, it's not important for us to start with the birth of Christ and his childhood and all of that. It's important to dive right in and start talking about being a follower of Jesus Christ. Christ. Because that's really what Mark wants to emphasize. That he wants to draw out of those who read this gospel a lasting response in word and deed to the true identity of Jesus Christ. See, even in Mark's gospel, chapter 1, verse 17, and this is a verse that If I had to pick out, say, a verse of emphasis for this first message, it would be this verse where Jesus said, Follow me, and I will turn you into fishers of people. Follow me. 
See, for Jesus, it wasn't enough for people to just know who he was. I mean, that's where it starts. That's very important. We need to have a proper knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is. But God, in human form, Jesus, wants to draw us to a place where we follow him. So as we start out a new year, that's what I want us to ponder and consider. Because what the Bible teaches is that there can be many Christians in name. Many people who would say, well, I know who Jesus is. And I even believe in him as my savior. Okay, that's good. Are you following him? See, we were created not just to know him. We were created to follow him. To accompany him, if you will. Because he has a divine destiny for each of us. And the only way we're going to find out what that destiny is and ever achieve it and ever realize it is not just by knowing him, understanding who he is. He's the son of God. He died for my sins. It's by entering into following him. And that fellowship, if you will, has to extend throughout our life. One of the problems with many who, and we're going to see this throughout our study of Mark's gospel, one of the problems is that many people who started to get interested in Jesus and followed him, only followed him for a while. In fact, John's gospel, chapter 6, verse 66, says that many of his disciples at this point quit following him and accompanied him no more. Many, many of those who at one time were following didn't keep following. So that's why John's purpose is, I want the readers of my gospel to enter into a lasting response in word and in deed to the true identity of Jesus Christ. I want my readers not just to know who Jesus is, not to have a proper understanding of Jesus, that's good, but to enter into following him. Because there are many Christians who don't follow, you see. And then there are some who follow. But then the question is, why do we follow? Do we, like many in Jesus' day, follow him simply because of what he can do for us? Or are we following him simply because of who he is? Nothing more, nothing less. And that's why John, or excuse me, Mark, paints the picture he does in chapter 1 of the events surrounding the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And this is not going to be a verse-by-verse study like you have been used to with me. Because we're going to take pretty much a chapter a week, it's just going to be hitting what I call the highlight of the chapter. So this morning, I do want us to focus for a few moments on Mark declaring the true identity of Jesus, both himself and others as he records it. 
You'll notice in the very first verse, Mark, as he's writing, says, this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then notice these next four words, the Son of God. Mark says, hey, Jesus, he is the Son of God. That's my testimony, Mark says. That's why I'm writing this. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. Then you go down to the passage about John the Baptist, the forerunner, the one who's preparing the way of the Lord. And he says in verse 7, as Mark records, One more powerful than I am is coming after me. I'm not even worthy to bend down and untie the strap of his sandals. That's John the Baptist's testimony about who Jesus is. Then you have the baptism of Jesus. And at the baptism of Jesus by John the Baptist, the Bible tells us that this voice, verse 11, came from heaven. I believe it was the voice of God the Father. And everyone at Jesus' baptism heard this voice. And again, it was a testimony to the true identity of Jesus, who he really was. And the father says, you are my one dear son. In you, I take great delight. Then you go over to verse 24. And as Jesus begins to launch his ministry, he immediately gets pushed back from the demonic world because he sort of enters into their world in the sense that he's, he's dealing with and being confronted with people who are being oppressed or possessed by unclean or demonic spirits. And you'll notice that Mark records as he heard it That they said to Jesus, leave us alone, Jesus the Nazarene, have you come here to destroy us? And then notice what the demon says, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. We'll come back to that in just a moment. And then the people who see him healing and casting out demons and all of this, say in verse 27, he even commands the unclean spirits and they obey him. All throughout the first chapter, Mark is saying everywhere that Jesus went, the true identity of Jesus was being proclaimed or declared or witnessed to by others. In fact, even the leper that comes to Jesus for healing in verse 40, when he comes to him, he's declaring who Jesus is when he says to Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. In other words, the question here from the leper's mind wasn't that Jesus couldn't do this miracle, didn't have the power because he believed in who he was. The only question is, is this part of God's will for you to heal me of this Leprosy. That was the only question. So even the leper understood the true identity of Jesus. But again, that's, that's good. And I hope everyone here today, you have come to a place where you believe and you embrace the witness of God through His Word. And that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the Holy One. 
that he is the Messiah. I hope you've come to that place. But here's what Mark is saying. If we truly believe and embrace that view of who Jesus is, then are you following? And if you're not following Jesus and letting him basically take the lead, why? Then Mark, I think, would come back and question, do we really believe that he is the Son of God, the Holy One, the Messiah? Because to Mark, it's like, how can we say we truly believe that Jesus is who he is in the true identity of Jesus and not be willing to go his way rather than our way? Which if you go back to the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, the whole reason why John the Baptist was sent, the Bible says, was to prepare the way for the Lord. It was to remind people, now, if you're going to follow this one who's coming after me, you got to go his way, because he's got his way. It's, it's about letting go of our way and going his way. It's not about us taking the lead in our own life anymore, but about him taking the lead, if he truly is who we say he is. It's about learning to follow. And it's learning to follow him again, not for what he can do for us, Because if we follow Jesus, as we're going to see through our study of the Gospel of Mark, especially here in chapter 1, if we follow Jesus simply because of what He can do for us, when He doesn't do for us what we would like or what we think He should do, then we stop following. See, that's the problem with people who follow Jesus for what He can do for them. See, But if we follow Jesus simply because of who He is, He's the Son of God. I'm going to follow. Nothing more, nothing less. Then it doesn't matter what circumstances He allows in our lives and, and the, the trial. God, I'm going to follow you what, whatever your will is for my life. Because I know who you are. And I trust you. And I believe in you. And I place my full confidence in you. The reason why so many followers, even when they walked with Jesus, stopped following him was because they didn't follow Jesus for simply who he was. They followed him because of what he was doing for them or what they wanted him to do, whether it was to provide a healing or whatever that was. And that's the way many people are today. And that's why even churches like the Oasis are so important because we all get educated and learned in the fact that it's not biblically accurate to portray God and being a follower of God is that he's just up there wanting and and, and going to grant every one of my wishes in life and, and the goal of God is to make me happy, not holy. And that, that God just is up there, and, and if I just have enough faith, He's going to give me whatever I want. Because when we teach people those kind of erroneous biblical teachings, and then suffering or something, trial comes into someone's life, or things start going the way we didn't think they would, we start to question God because we're following Him as long as everything maps out in my life the way I want it to go. 
And when things don't start going my way, I stop following. And that's where Mark is going to hit us hard in this 16-week study. He's going to basically ask all of us, do you believe in the true identity of Jesus Christ? And if so, are you following Jesus? Are you a faithful follower following right behind in his footsteps? And that wherever he's leading you in your life, you're, you're just going. You're, you're being obedient to the... And you're not following him for what he's doing for you or for me. We are simply following him because of who he is. In fact, you'll notice very interestingly... It's one of the reasons why, if you go down to the passage in verse 24, where the demon basically says, I know who you are, you're the Holy One of Israel. Notice that Jesus rebuked him and said, silence. Now, wait a minute. Did not the the demon get it right? Yeah. He knew exactly who Jesus was. But then if you go over to... Verse 34 of Mark chapter 1. Notice it says, He healed many who were sick with various diseases, drove out many demons, but He would not permit the demons to speak because they knew Him. Even though what they were saying was accurate. Why? Why wouldn't Jesus want even the demons to proclaim who He is and give a witness? Because Jesus isn't looking for a witness or testimony from people or demons or any of his creation that aren't willing to follow him. See, they they knew who Jesus was. Just like many Christians today have a head knowledge or even a knowledge within them of who Jesus is. And they believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the Holy One, died for my sins, all that but unwilling to follow. And see, to Jesus, that doesn't make sense. That, that, that portrays to others sort of a, an inaccurate picture because how can one say in one's mind and heart, this is who I believe Jesus is, but I'm not willing to follow him. And that's where the demons were. The demons always had a correct knowledge of who Jesus was, They were obviously in heaven with him before he fell. They always knew who Jesus was. In fact, James even says, the demons believe and tremble. It's not that they don't have a proper understanding or knowledge or wisdom of who Jesus is. That's not the problem. The problem is they're not willing to follow. They're they're not willing to comply They're not willing to place themselves under the authority and leadership of Jesus Christ in their life. That's the problem. And when it comes right down to it, Mark says, that's our problem a lot of times. It's not that we don't know who God is and we don't know what his word says. We just simply don't want to follow. And that's why, again, when Jesus looked at those first disciples that he called, He didn't say, believe in me. He said, follow me. And that invitation was not in a vacuum. Many people, when they read this, go, 
these men just got up and started to follow? They had a lot of interaction with Jesus before this point, you see, that we're not told about here. Because again, Mark, like other writers, they cut to the chase and cut through a lot of the periphery, if you will, and they get right to the point, which I sort of like. But sometimes you and I have to study the Word of God in whole and context and all of this and put some things together for ourselves. And what we learn is that many of these people had already been disciples of John the Baptist. They had already been baptized by John the Baptist. They had already been followers of John the Baptist. And they were hearing about the one that was to come after John the Baptist. And then even after that, many of these had interaction with Jesus. They spent time with him. Again, not maybe in this close of a way, but they knew who he was and they talked with him. And all that. So when Jesus came to that point where the timing is right and says, now follow me and I'll make you fishers of people, it wasn't like that was the first time they had ever had an encounter with Jesus. That was just the next logical step as far as God was concerned. And that's where God goes with all of us. If we have gotten ourselves to a place where we believe in the true identity of Jesus Christ, then the next thing God is going to draw us into is, now I want you to follow me for the rest of your life. I want to be your shepherd, not just your savior. I want you to let me take the lead in your life. And I want you to just be an obedient follower and let me just lead wherever, because I've got a divine destiny for you. And the only way you're going to experience it and find out what that is, is by following. Not by just believing, but by following. You see. Now, there was a lot of interest in Jesus early on. Before people started to fall away from following Jesus, a lot of interest. And that's where Mark is saying, you know, yeah, a lot of people were interested in Jesus at this point because he was healing people and all this. But again, they were sort of interested in him because of what he could do for them. In fact, you get this in chapter 1. Look at verse 28. The Bible says news about him spread quickly throughout all the region around Galilee. Well, I guess. This guy was casting out demons. And people were even hearing the testimony of demons saying, I know you're the Holy One of it. I mean, that I'm sure that made an impression. And he was healing people. In fact, he's getting ready to even heal someone in verse 29. It is Simon's mother-in-law who's sick. And then if you go down to verse 33... You'll notice that the popularity of Jesus is so great that the Bible says the whole town gathered by the door to see Jesus and to experience what was going on here with this guy. Because everywhere he went, man, things were happening. In fact, earlier on in the chapter, it says that even his teaching, he would, he would go in to the synagogue and he would teach the word of God. And the Bible says that the people said, This is not like the teaching we get from the scribes and the experts in the law. Because this teaching has authority. This teaching has force. This teaching has teeth to it. What made Jesus' teaching so different than the experts in the law? 
Well, one of the main reasons was because Jesus just taught the Word of God. See, by this time, we learned that in Jesus' day, the many religious leaders were spending more time teaching people their opinions and their traditions, but not the Word of God. And the Bible even says of itself, this book is powerful. God has given His Word power. It's alive. It's living. It's active. And when people truly are taught the Word of God and the Word of God is unleashed in our life, there's power, there's authority there. Now again, whether we are willing to place ourselves under the authority of the Word of God or not, that's us. That's on us. That's our choice. Just like, are we going to follow or not? But that's what these people were hearing that they hadn't heard before. They were getting up on, you know, the Sabbath and all they were hearing was a bunch of fair speeches by eloquent human speakers that were trained in the, in the art of public speaking. But it never really hit them at their heart. It never moved them in any way. All it did was fill their mind with all these facts and figures. When Jesus taught, it grabbed them. It gripped them. And that's why they said, whoa. In fact, I'll show you this verse. It's verse 22. The one I've been talking about. Where the Bible says the people there were amazed. I mean, it's a very strong word in the original language. It it literally means they were overwhelmed. They were like dumbfounded by his teaching. Because he taught them like one who had authority and not like the experts in the law. So we go back to the fact that news was spreading about Jesus. The Bible says in verse 34 that he healed many who were sick and that the whole town was gathered by the door. Then look at verse 37. One of his followers said when they found him, everyone is looking for you, Jesus. You got him right in the palm of your hand. And notice the response of Jesus. Let's go somewhere else. Let's go somewhere else? Notice something. Notice something here. Jesus wasn't interested in attracting a crowd. He had a crowd. He had a crowd in the palm of his hand. Everyone's looking for you. Let's just get a big crowd here, Jesus. Nah. Because I'm not interested in building crowds. I'm not interested in attracting crowds. I'm interested in inviting people to follow me. I'm looking for followers, not crowds. Can I tell you? That's one of the problems with our modern day American church is we are more interested in attracting crowds of people than we are in calling people to be followers of Jesus Christ. If I wanted to attract a crowd, I could. I know how to attract a crowd. But that's not what this church is ever going to be about. It's not going to be about attracting crowds. That didn't impress Jesus. Because many of the crowds 
were only there to get what Jesus could do for them. They were never interested in who Jesus really was and following him simply because of who he was. And that's why crowds will dissipate and fall away very quickly too. Because if you and I aren't into in anything for the sort of the right reason, it wanes pretty quickly. That's why like at this time of year when people make all these New Year's resolutions and stuff, That's why most of the time it's not sustained because it's not something that really, you know, we we sort of get emotional about things and and I'm going to try and all this, but to say we really buy into something because that's the only way it can be sustained. And that's why Jesus wasn't just looking for people that knew his true identity, but people who were willing to follow him. Everyone's looking for you. Let's go somewhere else. Let's go somewhere else. I'm not interested in a crowd. In fact, that's why even in this great passage at the end of the chapter, beginning in verse 40, where this leper, and you got to understand a little bit, And I know probably all of you do, but let's just all be reminded today. Leprosy in Jesus' day, obviously, was one of those things where it was rampant. A lot of people dealt with leprosy. Maybe not to the extent of cancer today, but almost every family was touched in some way by leprosy. Like almost every family, if not all families, are touched in some way by cancer today. You know of somebody who has leprosy back then. That that was it was that bad. And we know that it carried with it not just a physical sort of stigma, but but an emotional and social stigma. If you had leprosy, you, you, you were separated from everybody else. Nobody wanted to come near you because they didn't know at that point, you know, can I catch this? Yeah, probably. Can it be passed to me? So we're staying away. So that even makes what Jesus does here just all the more awesome. Not just because he's the son of God, but because he's a compassionate God. Because notice how Jesus responds when the man who has leprosy comes up to him and says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. The Bible says in verse 41, Jesus was moved with compassion. Don't miss that. That's part of Jesus' true identity. He's he's a compassionate God. He can be touched. He does have feeling. So often, even as Christians, we think that somehow God is impervious. God has no feeling because he's God. Listen. Listen. If we were created in the image of God and we have feeling and emotion, then that means God has feeling and emotion too. And the Bible says Jesus was moved with compassion and he stretched out, notice, his hand and touched this man. It was probably the first time this man had been physically touched in maybe years. He had never experienced physical touch for so long. And yet Jesus, the Son of God, the Holy One, was willing to touch him. Some of you, 
you know, I think physical touch is important to all of us, but obviously some human beings, physical touch is even more important to them than others. Can you imagine what that touch even did to that man who had never experienced touch from another human being for so long and now the Son of God is laying His hand on this man? And Jesus says, I'm willing, be clean. And the Bible says the leprosy left him at once and he was clean. But immediately Jesus sent the man away with a very strong warning. He said, see to it that you do not say anything to anyone about what I just did, but simply go show yourself to a priest and bring the offering that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. You be a testimony to these religious leaders about your healing But don't go spreading the news. And again, we're going, wait a minute. Jesus would have been a terrible PR person. Jesus, do you realize what could have happened if you would have just let this man go out there and start... But again, Jesus wasn't interested in the crowd. He wasn't interested in drawing people to him simply because of what he could do for him. And he certainly wasn't interested in any kind of political office, which is what Jesus always was rejecting when he pushed back on people spreading. Because he understood that most people, they would have wanted him to run for political office. Because they wanted him to overthrow the Roman oppression and bring back glory to Israel. And that's not why Jesus came at that time. He wasn't about all of that. About wielding political power and, and, and putting himself in a place of power and prominence and, and dealing with everything. That, that's not why he came. He came to invite people as he is today to follow him. Now there's coming a day as we learn in the Bible where Jesus is going to come back and he's going to literally set up an earthly, literal, physical kingdom. And he will rule and reign one day. And he will set things right and he will vindicate and he will do all that. But that wasn't the purpose of his ministry now. His purpose in his ministry now is to call people to repentance and belief in who he is, to remind them that the kingdom of heaven is near in him and that he wants to rule and reign over our hearts and he calls us to follow him. Now again, notice, this man, this leper knew who Jesus was. That's why he says, if you're willing, I know you can make me clean. And Jesus clearly gave him the word. Don't go around spreading what I did. Because I'm not interested in grandstanding. I'm not interested in drawing a big crowd. I'm not interested in putting, having someone put me up on their shoulders and traipse me around and, and say I'm up for the next you know, big thing. Think the man listens to Jesus? No. The Bible says in verse 45, as the man went out, he began to announce it publicly and spread the story widely that Jesus was no longer able to enter any town openly but stayed outside in remote places. You say, wow, what a thick-headed guy. Well, Let's face it, we're like that thick-headed guy. 
sometimes. God clearly tells us what to do and we think we've got a better way. Jesus, I I know what you said, but you don't understand. We need to do this. No, you really don't. We just need to follow Jesus. His way is always the best way, even if it doesn't make sense to us. Because there's a reason behind it. You see. Now, I will say this. The cool thing about our God is that even though the disobedience of people can complicate things, it never thwarts God. It's never like, oh, this person decided to do this. Well, then I'm cooked. God always is able to work all things together for good. Even when we clearly disobey what God clearly said. So what that required was that instead of Jesus going into the big cities and becoming the next big thing, Jesus stayed out in the wilderness in these remote places. And yet, notice what the Bible says. Still, they kept coming to him from everywhere. Because at this point, there was such interest in who Jesus was and what he was doing that people were willing to make whatever sacrifice it took to get close to Jesus. Let's draw a contrast here with, again, our modern-day churches, even in America. How we think... You know what we need to do for people in in our church? We need to make it easy for people. Because the easier we make it for people, the more people will come. But see, God says, if you truly believe in who Jesus is, and you are truly willing to follow him, then you'll follow him even if it means going out into the wilderness and leaving the comfort of the big town or all of that. You'll be willing to go wherever and go through whatever to follow Jesus if you believe in who he really is. You won't let a little wilderness stop you. And the wilderness plays a big part in chapter 1 of Mark. It's not only where John the Baptist's ministry was, it's where Jesus was tempted by the devil... It's where Jesus meets with his heavenly father to pray and to commune. And it's where all these people keep coming to him from or to. Same word in the remote places. But I want to go back in wrapping things up this morning to verse 17. Because again, let me repeat this. The purpose of Mark's gospel is to evoke from the reader a lasting response in word and deed to the true identity of Jesus. Do I follow Jesus because of who he is or because of what he can do for me? How have you and I responded to Jesus? Do we believe in his true identity? If so, are we following? And third, why are we following? Do we follow Jesus as long as everything goes well in my life? As long as God does everything I want Him to do for me? 
Or do I follow Jesus even when things are really, really bad? Because think of the example here in Mark's Gospel, chapter 1. Think about John the Baptist, who said, Jesus, he was an exemplary example. He said, I will follow you no matter what. Because I'm following you, Jesus, because of who you are. Nothing more, nothing less. And guess what that meant for John? It meant imprisonment. It meant martyrdom. It meant getting his head chopped off. If John the Baptist would have simply been following Jesus because of what Jesus could do for him, John the Baptist wouldn't have followed all the way to the end. And like many Christians today, because we don't understand the true message of God's Word, we somehow think God's to be there for us, not us at His disposal. That God is just this person up there that I I learned to manipulate and and work to, to get what I want from. And that God is really up there to just make me happy and healthy and have everything go well in my life. And that's when I know God is, and I are okay, and He's blessed, and all of that. All, all that bad teaching. But yet, that's what many people believe today. So that when something bad happens, or something wrong happens, or things don't go the way that they think they should, guess what? I'm done. I'm not following God anymore. In a sense, what we've created in our churches today, especially in America, is just a bunch of fair-weathered believers who are there for God and there for each other as brothers and sisters in Christ as long as everything's going my way. But if things don't go my way, I'm done. I'm out. Notice the response of some of the first of Jesus' followers. Again, not that this invitation was given in a vacuum. But Jesus says to these men, Follow me, and I will turn you into fishers of people. Now, in in that phrase that Jesus uses, there's also this teaching and understanding that it's going to take time. In other words, part of the reason why Jesus needs us to buy in to following him for a long period of time is because it's it's going to take him much time to build us into fishers of people. It's not something that happens overnight. And simply what Jesus is also saying is, it's going to take me a long time to build into your life a uh, uh, stop focusing on self and start focusing on others which is really what the whole fishers of people mean, that I'm not here now to live my life for me anymore. I'm here for God to use my life to touch other people's lives in a positive way and draw them like fishermen into the net of the kingdom. And notice the response. Verse 18. They left their nets which implies they left their business, they left their financial security, they left 
what they had been doing for years, what they were comfortable with, they left their nets immediately and followed him. Going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat mending nets. And immediately he called them and noticed this phrase. They left their father. Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, which implies that Zebedee, James and John's father, had a pretty wealthy, pretty good fishing business going because he, he was doing well enough not only to have his sons help him, but to hire other people to help him as well. And the Bible says, and they followed him. Now, I want, I want you to go back to this phrase that's used twice in these verses. They left their nets, verse 18. They left their father, verse 20. What is this teaching us about following Jesus? It's teaching us this. Two primary things. One, if we're going to follow Jesus then he needs to have our total allegiance. Higher than anyone or any other thing in our life, Jesus has to come first. Because sometimes, in order to keep following Jesus, I've got to leave certain things and certain people behind in order to keep following Jesus. And what his divine destiny is for my life. If I'm willing to let go of these things, then I can never really wholeheartedly embrace what Jesus has for me. Total allegiance. And it also means that following Jesus means that there are times where I have got to let go or leave certain things in order to keep following Jesus. I can't drag this along and keep going the way Jesus wants me to go. I've got to be willing to let it go. Leave it so that I can wholeheartedly follow the Lord. So January 1st, 2017, Here's what God is saying to us. Will you follow? And will you follow not simply because of what I can do for you, but will you follow me simply because of who I am? Nothing more, nothing less. Even if I never did anything for you, even if everything in your life didn't turn out the way you wanted it to, would you still follow me? And what do you and I, at the beginning of this year, what do you and I, like these first followers of Jesus, what do we need to let go of and leave behind in order to keep following Jesus. Because so many of us want to hold on to something that by holding on to it prevents us from following Jesus. 
So what is God saying to you and I today when it comes to letting go and leaving it behind? This coming week, I would encourage you to go back to Mark's Gospel, chapter 1 and verse 17. And just hear the words of Jesus in your own ears when he said to those first followers, follow me. I want you to hear Jesus saying that to you this week, this month, and this year. Because that's where God is leading us. That's where God is leading me as the pastor of this church. That's why God led me to this series in Mark. God right now is saying to us here, that's great that you know the true identity of my son Jesus. I'm I'm so glad you know who Jesus is. But will you follow Jesus? No matter what. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this gospel, this good news concerning Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We thank you for one like Mark, who was a follower of Jesus Christ. One who didn't just know who Jesus was in his head, but he was willing to put feet to it. And follow in the footsteps of Jesus, wherever Jesus led him. And we know that John Mark's life wasn't always... Things went well for Mark. He had some hard trials to deal with in his life. But he had gotten to a place in his life where he said, Jesus, I'm not following you because of what you can do for me. I am following you simply because of who you are. Nothing more, nothing less. I'm letting go and leaving behind everything else in order to follow you. May that be our desire at the beginning of this year. And may our study of the Gospel of Mark not just evoke or draw us into a short-term, emotional, temporary response to Jesus. But may it be a long-lasting, lifetime commitment in word and in deed to the true identity of Jesus Christ. Work in our hearts today, God. We've got a whole new slate, a fresh start, A new year. Help us to make this year count like never before for eternity. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.